Hi, I'm Mary Lyons, The Wealth Woman. I'm Eric Alexander with Benchmark Income Group. Welcome to the Big Wealth Podcast. We're excited to have you with us today. Today, we're going to talk about the four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse, I think, is what you call them, Eric. <laughs> the financial are, apocalypse, right? Yeah, the four Ds that can totally disrupt your financial plan. So Eric, why don't you kick us off with the first one? Yeah, so there, there's four of these, and, and these are all wonderful because they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse, not the four horsemen of the cool things coming, right? Yeah, I would not call them wonderful. Let's use a different yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> so one, one of the first ones I, I, that I wanted to talk about was this idea of disability, right? So if, if we're keeping with the D theme, uh, and these are this is one of the big ones because it comes in so many different forms. It's medical expenses. It's an, it's an accident that's sort of changed your life. It is, it is all of the bad things that sort of pull you out of work, right? That, mm -hmm. that eliminate your need, your ability to go and produce the income that you're used to. And, and the challenge is, as someone once told me, is that the best thing or of all the bad things that can happen, disability is almost the worst because if you're dead, you're not actually requiring revenue anymore. You're not producing, but you're not also requiring. I think disability or a big medical problem could be almost worse because you're not producing, and usually, if you're really, really sick, you're also taking, and right. so or your yeah. your expenses go up. Yeah, and so that's a big one. And so one of the one of the couple of the key things you can do to prevent that, and one of the things you can do to make it better, is all the kind of gross stuff that we don't like to talk about, but we all need really, really good health insurance with with good backup plans and all that, right? And really good disability insurance, so that if you you don't run out of birthdays, but you run out of days to produce income. You've got money coming in to make to make life okay, and it's never going to be there to make you completely whole. Uh, that's that's kind of not its job. But if you can have revenue coming in to to weather the storm, you can avoid big problems. Right, and I think there's a big difference too on disability of understanding if you have a group plan versus an individual plan, yeah. um, because and and whether your employer is paying for it or you are, because all of that affects taxability. An individually owned policy that you're paying for yourself creates a tax-free benefit. Um, if your employer is paying your premiums for you, then potentially your benefit is completely taxable. So a lot of times I think it makes sense not just to look at what you have at your company, but to add on a layer of individually owned coverage to make sure you get as close as you can to income replacement. And then also to understand that sometimes the employer paid uh, disability benefits are for a fixed period of time, not for your working lifetime. So it may only be for two years or five years. Um, as opposed to until age 65 or age 67, or in some cases, even age 70. So just knowing the differences there. And then, you know, also, if you ever do have those conversations about what type of insurance is available for that, understanding that not all carriers have the same contracts, right? I think the rule of thumb is you get to control two variables and the insurer gets to control one of them, right? So you right. have cost you have the benefit amount, and then you have the definition of disability. So if you want really inexpensive and a really high benefit, probably there's going to be a very strict definition of when you are disabled, right? But if you want the best possible contract language and definition of disability, and you want the best benefit amount possible, you're probably going to pay a high premium. So just understanding how that whole process work, works, I think is key. Yeah. All right. What's the second one, Mary? Okay, so I think I'm going to go with debt on this one. Um, debt is a huge destroyer of wealth. 
And I think sometimes people get into debt almost unintentionally. So there's two ways that we see this happen. One of them is not working within a budget or overspending. And that can happen at any income level. We see people sometimes that have seven figure incomes who are overextended because they feel like I'm rich, I can afford it. And then they aren't watching the budget. Um, and then things sometimes get out of control. And the other way that we see debt show up sometimes is the idea of leverage, where people end up over leveraging uh, in order to get into investments and with terms that they don't really understand. So an example of that, uh, Wells Fargo recently uh, changed their rules on personal lines of credit. And for anyone who had a personal line of credit, they amortize the loan. So now there's a fixed payment period and it's not just interest only on a revolving line. So when you when you don't read the fine print of the debt that you are potentially getting into, there could be abilities on the back end for the contract to be changed. We also saw that being an issue through 2008 time period, um, you know, shortly after, because banks didn't want commercial real estate on their books. And so quite a few commercial real estate loans had provisions that allowed the banks to call the notes due within a 30 to 90 day time period. So here you are, you're, you have a vacant building, your cash flow goes away, and all of a sudden you got to pay off a multi million dollar loan, that can be a huge problem. So really being careful with the debt that you do take on. And when you choose to leverage, making sure that you understand and, and what do you call it, Eric, a black swan event when the right. world is on fire uh, and, and everything is kind of coming tumbling down, what is your worst case scenario? And do you have an exit strategy for that? Because there's, there's, uh, there's a time when leverage can be good and there's a time when it can absolutely de- destroy a financial plan. And then the the third one, I think, in this list, uh, they all they always say that marriage is grand, and divorce is a hundred grand. And so I think one of the things that happens a lot of times, uh, and, and we see it so many times, it's and it's really unfortunate and sort of sad. But you you go through that process, and and we think through divorce from a standpoint of financial, but there's an emotional end on the other end of it that says I'm I'm writing out checks, right? I've I've just given my my uh, my former spouse thousands upon thousands of dollars out of my 401k, or I've liquidated this account to go give them something. Or now we've got two homes where we used to have all our money buying one, right? And so you've got, you've got some of the cash flow changes that have come around. And then I think one of the things that happens on the other end of it, as you're sort of trying to rebuild is you're trying to figure out who you are again. Like, okay, where do I live in this space? What, What does that look like? And you're dealing with sort of the emotional fallout. I mean, it's from what I've, uh, so from the things I've read and experienced and everything else, it's about as close to death as you're going to get without having somebody actually die, right? It, it is, it is an extremely traumatic in, environment and, and incident. And so there's some fallout on the other end where you're, you may not be making good choices on the back end of that, right? You're not, you're not thinking long-term as much as you were. You're not thinking about saving and, and building and growing. You're thinking, man, I just went through this horrible environment, this horrible event, uh, and, and the world is in chaos for the next probably six months to a year. And so it's, it's almost like triage. You just got to deal with the thing right in front of you because you can't see past it yet. Yeah. You can't see past the hurt, the pain, the, even, even if it's something that you wanted, right. It, there's still an emotional fallout. Right. And, and kids and therapy and everything else that starts to come in and, and sort of suck away money. So, uh, from a preventative measure, uh, I, the, the thing I'm sad about is that there's no pill to take. There is no, uh, 
there's no insurance product to buy to make the, the cost go away. But <laughs> there's no uh, divorce insurance. There's no divorce insurance, right? But I think part of it is sort of making sure that you you don't neglect that relationship. And that uh, I think a lot of times, especially for guys, we get soaked up in doing the thing, right? We're we're working, we're we're, and I think all of us do this. Not, not men, just I think all of us. Uh, and we forget to take care of the uh, the people at home, right? And so nurture the relationship. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's that's your insurance policy is uh, make sure you're taking care of the people at home. Yeah. So, and I will say, uh, just from uh, experience working with clients, um, man, divorce wipes people out, and they really are starting over. And I think the thing to remember with divorce is that when you are starting over, efficiency of your financial plan is more important than it ever was because you don't have the same amount of time on your side. Right. Right. And that's a conversation that we have all the time. It's not about taking more risk. It's just about being more efficient to rebuild at that point. Um, yeah, okay. you don't get, you don't get divorced the second time when you're 22 and you got your whole working career, you get divorced later. Right. right. Typically. Right. So, um, okay. So the fourth one is death, which nobody likes to talk about. This is a very morbid episode. I think we're talking about all, all the bad things, but I think, I think being very grounded in reality allows people to make good decisions. And then once they've dealt with these things, they don't have to think about it again. I mean, the thing that makes me sad is that I've seen even within my own neighborhood, when somebody passes away, um, there's a GoFundMe page to make sure that like the kids get to go to college and, um, you know, the remaining spouses having to sell their property and can stay in the neighborhood with the kids. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see the community rallying around someone who's in that position, but frequently if people made better decisions about their insurance, when they were younger, they would not end up in that position. And that's the thing that's always hard for me watching that happen is that it's a, it's a preventable position because especially right. when you're young life insurance is really inexpensive, right? I mean, you can get a whole lot of it for not a whole lot of cash flow, And, and I think it's important if you're, if you're willing to spend a hundred bucks or 200 bucks on your cell phone bill, you should be willing to spend that much on a life insurance policy so that in the event you lose a spouse, um, you still have income continuation. And then even within that conversation, people always ask me how much insurance should I have? And I think it's a matter of what you want. So there's two schools of thought. One's needs-based, um, which is just, you know, I need to be able to pay off the mortgage and, you know, fund my kids college and have a couple years of income. Um, and the other is what do you actually want to have happen? And there's a concept called human economic value, which is basically full income replacement. Um, and in that situation, the insurance policy pays out a lump sum, but that lump sum is enough that when invested, it will throw off the income of the person who has passed away or close to it for the rest of what would have been their working lifetime or potentially even longer. And usually you can only get to like 60 to 80% income replacement because no insurance company, even if you say insure me for the most you would possibly insure me for, right. no insurance company is going to create a situation where you are profiting from your spouse's death. So the idea of being- the hey, Everyone idea, sleep with their eyes open. Right. Uh, the idea of being overinsured, at least in this capacity, is um, pretty much non-existent. You know, because yeah, you no can't. Yeah, you can't be insured for more than the income that you're you're bringing home, or a lump sum that would throw that off. Um, so, you know, I think that's the kind of thing we've seen when people make 
you know, poor choices there, what happens. And then we have clients that have made good choices and have gotten, if not all the way to human economic value, at least very close to it. And when unfortunately an event like that does take place, I have, I have never had a client say, man, I wish there was less money. Right. But they're always happy (laughs) to have more. Right. And I think that's, we, we like to think, okay, nothing bad is going to happen. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to bring that juju into my life or whatever you want to call it. But when you plan for these things accordingly, if God forbid something like that happens in your life, um, you can deal with what's happening because the money is taken care of. And ultimately that's the job of an advisor is to point out if something goes wrong, Let's make sure this is taken care of because hope, while it is a financial strategy, is not really a good one. Right. right? I mean, I want people to have hope, but we need contingency plans too. Well, and to put a nice bow on the end of it so that it's not all sort of horrible for a horseman here, right? I especially with especially with the first three, the, you know, or especially with death as well, but disability and all the rest of it. It and, and I'll use life insurance, right, for the for the death piece of it. It is the most powerful love letter you can ever write to your spouse, right? Like I care about you so much that I'm willing to give up money today so that in the event that anything happens, you never have to worry about life. The rest. You never have to worry about money for the rest of your life. You're going to be okay, right? And I think it's the same as, same as true with disability. The same is true with, with health insurance. The same is true with making sure you're being a good husband or wife, right? And that, that's no better love letter, right? And the same thing is true with sort of the debt piece. Like we're going to manage this today and we're going to be smart about it. We're going to be prudent about it because I, I want life to be smooth for you. I want life to be okay for you. And, and I'm thinking through the lens of being a, a husband and a dad, right? But, and sort of being that, that protector role, that, that mental mindset, like that, that is my job is to make sure everything's going to be okay. And what a, what a cool love letter you get to write to your spouse, your kids, their kids that, Hey, we, we were adulting today at a high level, even though we didn't want to. And regardless of what happens, we're going to be okay. Well, and, you know, just to speak to that, because it, uh, it, it reminds me of a client of ours who, um, was, had a terminal diagnosis, um, and had three years prior to passing away. And because they had done everything they needed to do both on the disability side of things and, um, on, on the life insurance side of things, um, they knew that their spouse was going to be taken care of after they were gone. And because of the spouse also knew that in the remaining years that they had together, they really had the freedom to connect and, um, focus on one another and their family because there were kids as well. Um, without any fear or worry about what life was going to look like on the other side, because they knew that the income was taken care of. And so um, to watch the the person who was uh, terminal, to watch them uh, reside in that space of relief uh, was, was amazing. And then to watch the spouse who was having to care for this individual and and really go through some tough times, be able to put her whole heart into that, I think was, was, uh, you know, and, and the ability to like take a last big vacation as a family and not be worried about the money. All of those things I think are so key. And I remember having a conversation with her at some point because there was a community of people kind of going through the, the, the same thing. And she said, it is so sad to watch these people sniping at each other and being angry 
Um, and I've said, you know, you, you have to wonder if some of that is a resentfulness of, hey, I'm having to take care of you and there's no one to take care of me when you're gone. And right. so knowing that that piece is taken care of, I think is a really big deal. And I think that's also true with disability. If it becomes, okay, now there's one breadwinner for the family and income's cut in half and lifestyle's totally different. And then there's the burden of caring for someone on top of that. You know, I think that's probably exhausting. Whereas at least if they, the right things were done so that the income is there, it changes the focus, right? I mean, yeah. You can, yeah, there's you no can, resentment. Um, connection in life as opposed to, man, we should have done this differently. And, and that's the thing, right? I think, I think sometimes we trade what we really want for what we want right now. Right. And that's why people ultimately don't have happiness. And I think an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. Yeah, no doubt. I've seen worth doing. So yeah. um, if, if we can help with any of those things, absolutely reach out to us, shoot us a DM. Um, right. And we're more than happy to, you know, provide resources or, or um, you know, get to know your situation and figure out how we can help. Excellent. So Eric, where can they find you? Uh, on Instagram and Facebook at economics with Eric, and then on LinkedIn as well. Okay. So I am on, uh, let's see, Instagram and Facebook as at the wealth woman. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Thanks for a lot. Okay. Bye.